Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to fit for a queen. All right, queens, we are back with um, Tammy Beasley. Um, We're excited to be chatting with her today, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. (laughs) (laughs) About her. Um, Tammy has been practicing as a registered licensed dietitian nutritionist for over three decades. Her experience includes inpatient treatment programs, management of outpatient nutrition programs in both Alabama and Florida, and private practice specializing in both sports nutrition and eating disorders. She joined Alsana Eating Recovery Communities in 2015 and serves as vice president of clinical nutrition services working closely with the clinical leadership team to ensure that the nutrition programming blends both evidence-based science and cutting-edge practice. Tammy was the first registered dietitian to become certified with the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals in 1993 and the first certified specialist in sports dietetics through the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics in the state of Alabama in 2007. She advocated for the RD as an integral part of the multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary treatment team for eating disorders by serving on the IADEP certification committee for nine years and stepping into the role of director from 2013 to 2017. The CEDRD was recognized by the Commission on Dietetics Registration in June 2015 under her tenure as director. She's a frequent speaker at regional to international conferences, when we can go, and enjoys translating (laughs) evidence-based science into practical and insightful messages for clients to begin healing their relationship with food and body and for clinicians to incorporate into their own practices. I have also told Tammy that she could have a second job of reading bedtime stories because she has the most peaceful calming voice. I will rent you out right now. Yes, we should do do that. FaceTime storytelling. Yes. (laughs) This may be be a second career option when things get crazy. And I'm sitting here thinking, I listened to Renee McGregor and I'm thinking, oh, how I wish I had a lovely accent. But anyway... (laughs) You do. You so, have the southern. You, you do. Southern for us, draw. you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, good. We'll just put it to use. That sounds great. <laughs> well, so it's so. Thanks. You are like the original sports dietitian to cross over and specialize in eating disorders, which is obviously you were the trailblazer for people like me to come behind you. Look at those mentors out there. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh wow! I well, I'm. I'm honored to be in your, in your shadow now, Becca. Absolutely. So thank y'all for letting me come on today. I'm, I'm super excited to, to just chat with, with y'all very much. So I don't, um, so trailblazer, you know, I just didn't even think about it that way. And I think how it all started 
was simply there were there was no play you know we and I don't think it's changed a lot dietitians still do not get enough conversation in their um, coursework about eating disorders at all and at the time we didn't get a lot about sports nutrition either and um the uh, sports nutrition was really the only place, the only home that there was um, a, a small crossover at the time for eating disorders. And so that's kind of how they all tended to blend. Of course, I have a personal journey and story around all of it. So you just let me know what you want me to, where you want me to go. If you feel comfortable, Tammy, I think that's always helpful for our listeners, that compassionate view that you come from and mm -hmm. understanding. Okay. Well, I will say that I stand here fully recovered uh, for 30, 30 years, three decades um, to probably almost the day. And that that is an amazing um, thing to say. And it's mm -hmm. probably what keeps me in this field why I love it so much that never gets old, you know, being, being able to give that hope in recovery. And my journey um, was interesting because um, people laugh at me when I share this, but I was, you know, I guess in the South girls didn't quote sweat and um, in, <laughs> in my, in my high yeah. <laughs> and yes, I mean, it's a little hot and humid here, but yeah. we only glow, we uh -huh. glow, we do not sweat. Uh -huh. And you know, it was in high school, you know, I was the overachiever deluxe, but didn't cross my mind to even consider athletics or sports. It was in a weird time, you know, where I certainly had friends that did, but, but, you know, somehow in my upbringing, it's like, you know, girls were smart, girls were whatever, we didn't sweat, you know, we didn't compete like boys did. And boy, have things dramatically changed. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when, um, so really kind of what happened was entering into um, college is um, and the anorexia side of my history started popping up um, side by side. I discovered running mm -hmm. and running became something I actually was, I, you know, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And like, I really love this and didn't know had no reference of any um, warning signs or anything between those two. I was not in the field of nutrition at the time. Very grateful for that those few years because it's really what awakened me to see, you know, when I saw that, how my, my health plummeted, my grades plummeted, my relationships plummeted. I wasn't, you know, I couldn't run like I used to run. All of it was affected by nutrition and I had never had that, um, that epiphany that, wow, you know, it's not just food that you, that whether you put it in your body or not, it's life, you know, it's, it's holistic. It's supporting everything about us. Um, it truly is, is healing medicine. And so I had a physician that kind of scared me to my senses at the time, which, um, I appreciate it led me into thinking, how can I combine my love of science with my love of people? And nutrition was just 
like an exciting new field. It felt like a new field. It was something my dad certainly thought was a brand new field. And like, can you make money doing that? <laughs> you know, he, was, he was like, I, you know, I could have, I thought engineering was a much better route for you. So, <laughs> so um, I had to do some convincing there, but um, what happened was I, I know that I got into the field of nutrition, had one lecture in my internship for three hours on eating disorders. Um, sports was very minimal. You know, it was there, but it it was it was small, but it certainly got a little more attention than eating disorders did. But what happened was, um, you know, I went through my internship, graduated, started practicing, um, you know, my my love for running, my love for just um, movement, competition just kind of got sparked and it got out of control. And it was as a practicing dietitian, probably my first, well, for sure, not just probably my first three years that um, I would say that I kept a really good secret because on the outside, you know, totally together, you know, practicing, excelling in my clinical nutrition position, not doing eating disorders, having one myself and um, taking movement way past where it needed to be. You know, it became the compulsion, the compensatory behaviors. It became my identity. It became my punishment. It became my reward. It became all of those things. Um, and so um, it was during that process that really just spending, I would, I had a therapist colleague who I worked with who called me out and he said, I basically asked for it because, you know, I was, laughing about something that physically had happened on a run that was not not something to laugh about so he said you know you wanted to be called out and I said yeah I think you're right I did and you know that's I think where my shame my my I don't know it sounds funny to say my passion for shame that is not what I mean but (laughs) but but, resilient Yes, um, because I still describe myself as a shame Velcro. I I mean, I am genetically wired to if, you know, I feel like I can visually sometimes see those like the shame Velcro just popping up and like if any chance to grab shame along the way, it's going to stick, you know, and it's going to be it's my fault, isn't it? You know, or I did something wrong. So so to be, you know. To, to to break that shame darkness that secret and to expose it was 51% and i say it to this day you know it's that's that's the power the eating disorder has power when you hide it and it's a secret and it's in a black hole but when you expose it to the light and to relationships relationship and to you know, just seeking help, get it, it, it can't survive, you know, that's the beginning of the end for the eating disorder. And so, so um, it was a, it was a three-year process. Um, and I had to, um, I'm probably going into my journey a little bit longer, but um, thank y'all for, for letting me do so. But um, mm-hmm. I would say that it, you know, um, I would never trade it at all. And in that journey, it required towards the end, it, it required for me, I had to give up all exercise and movement Mm. for about a year Mm -hmm. because I was determined to not do it until I could do it for what I just, how I was doing it in the first place for the Mm -hmm. joy, Mm -hmm. for the, for the, the 
communion literally with nature for just um, peace. I mean, all of those things that are the right things, but I couldn't, I couldn't bring it back until I could bring it back in that space. Um, and it was about a year. And in that process, I happened to uh, meet my future husband, mm-hmm. um, who was right down the road from Tennessee, but never knew him. He was in Miami, Florida at the time. And I bring that up because we met, married, I moved to Miami. I began bringing, um, running back and just bringing, um, movement back into my life. You know, it was discovering that, you know what, I just ate four cookies. You know, I remember calling my husband going, I think I might've binged. And he said, what happened? And I said, I ate four cookies. And he, he just got quiet and he goes, honey, I, I think you just ate four cookies. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I know. And great I was like, answer, I honey. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I get goosebumps now thinking about it. Cause I was like, oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, cause I tend to be that all or nothing too. So I had to bring back, you know, that I don't have to be the best runner. I don't have to be the yeah. best dietitian, you know, but, um, I can be Tammy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so that was a very pivotal conversation we had. And so it was in Miami where, um, the eating disorder work became, um, my heart and soul. And it was what I thought because of my own story, I should never do. And I worked side by side and I know I think about this and it's shocking, but in Miami, Florida, which breeds eating disorders, you've got people wearing bikinis to football games. You've got models, you've got 200 nationalities, you've got all body sizes Mm -hmm. and there was no one doing eating disorder treatment there. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, it was in the nineties. And at the time it was overlapped with the kind of addictions mindset Mm -hmm. and it was in that's where it was hovering and so I got that first referral from a physician who um, I forever am thankful for and Dr. Ehrlichman actually if you know Roy Ehrlichman who is very seasoned in this field he was a therapist that they referred a client to me and I told them I shouldn't do this because I don't know if you guys know, but this is my history and I'm recovered. I'm in this, you know, I'm in this new recovered place. And they're like, no, you should do this. And it was one of those wow. things that that first client, um, because no one else really was doing the work or saying they did, they really, you know, it was so unknown territory um, that once you get, you know, it's a small enough world that um, I ended up being full time. Like I, I only saw eating disorder clients. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very grateful for that time in Miami. And it was, um, I have very humorous stories about it because <laughs> the pre hippa days and the, you know, <laughs> because I just go to other hospitals and provide consultation because the dietitians weren't sure what to do. Cause diet, you know, cause clients were put in a psych unit mm-hmm. if they, wow. that's all, that's the only place they had to go. Um, and so we began opening, um, you know, we, um, we opened an outpatient eating disorder specific nutrition services, uh, in addition to a regular, you know, general nutrition outpatient services. And so really that's, that's when I, that certification came along and, and I was seeing athletes at the time. And when, when we moved back to Huntsville, Alabama, um, kids were four and 18 months, it was kind of a move to be close to grandparents kind of thing. Um, I realized that um, 
uh, you know, I continued to really have a passion for eating disorders and also a passion for sports nutrition. And I found like it was a beautiful balance because it felt like, um, and, and Becca, you can relate to this where, where there's just different energy mm-hmm. from, from those two groups. However, they overlap and, and they overlap more than, more than I realized until I began seeing, I had this moment where I thought, you know what? I am saying the same thing to both clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we start out like, and I realized you don't, you know, the, the, the pro athlete, the, the high school athlete, the, you know, I, I worked with the stars for a while, a double A affiliate. I'm thinking they have no concept of what their body does for them, their metabolism, just the, the beauty of nutrition and, you know, they don't get it. There's no connection to their bodies. It's a machine kind of to them and to clients with eating disorders. I would start with the same place. Like, let's just talk about your body for a minute and, you know, what your body's doing for you right this, right this minute. And, and both, I was saying the same thing. And that's when I realized that, you know, there really was such an overlap. And I would say probably in the beginning, I did sports nutrition and eating disorders. And now, and then I moved to doing eating disorders and sports nutrition kind of in that, um, in, in that percentage, I guess. And, and now it's just almost a hundred percent eating disorders, but certainly overlaps, um, athletes who, um, are in needing higher level of care. Yeah. So, so that's my journey. Love it. Well, and thank you for sharing. It's so important for our listeners oh, to hear yeah. all of that. Because um, so many of them, when they're in the trenches, they're like, is recovery actually possible? Or, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's so important for somebody, especially that a lot of <clears throat> clinicians in the field are recovered. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. Tammy, you realize you got another metaphor that you came up with today that I have not heard you oh. say before. Uh-oh. The shame Velcro. <laughs> oh, the shame Velcro. But that's perfect because how many yeah. times if they wear that Velcro and each time they get on social media or they're out in mm-hmm. culture, are they looking for something to get stuck to mm-hmm. shame themselves? That's perfect, Tammy. Yep. Got another one. Well, uh, good. I'm glad. I'm keeping a record of all these. There's a book, there's a, there's a book coming oh. out before I leave this field. Absolutely. I, I, I have it. So. You are, but, um, yes, you are the queen of metaphorically speaking to how the body takes care of itself. And you use great examples. I was at the Body Balance Coalition where you spoke, was it a, last year? Two I years ago. I'm going to miss that okay. one. That was so okay. But you you were using kind of the sponge. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And no, I was sitting next to uh, Sally, another dietitian. I was like, Sally, you know, if I did that, I would it would totally backfire. I would totally screw <laughs> that up. <laughs> but it was so helpful. So... Um, can you give us some examples of uh, how our culture has taken, um, how, sorry, I'm, can you give some examples of how our culture has taken us away from this kind of how our, um, how the body takes yes. care of yeah. that? Yes, like you talked you. about uh, with the athletes that so many of them don't even realize like how the fueling and the mm-hmm, self-care and mm-hmm. all that. Exactly. It, um, you know, I started as I as I was thinking ab- about this podcast and just kind of thinking along. You know, where where is our culture now, and how in the world did we get here? Um, it's isn't it interesting that we have more energy and focus and voices around 
the importance of diversity and individual, you know, being UBU and, and, you know, inclusion of all and, and not categories of people. Um, and yet at the same time, it's like, I had this moment, like, I'm like, oh my word, at the same time, we have never been so rigid and judgmental about our food Mm -hmm. and, um, and our lack, we are not giving ourselves any freedom to be an individual and listen to our own bodies. We have to follow this plan or do this or do that as if we, you know, um, we, we are not, we, we are beautiful life machines, but we are not a machine. We cannot put in data and get out data. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. Calories in versus calories out. That, that does, that's not real. It it doesn't work. (laughs) It does not work. And it, you know, after hundreds of clients that I'm sitting across when I also didn't know that it didn't work either in those young years were all there where we realize, you know what, I'm saying this and I believe it, but I'm not seeing this working. Then you start realizing it doesn't work. And then there's that moment where you're like, I wonder if anyone else is seeing this. And then you realize we're all seeing that. And um, it's, it, it's just shocking to me how we have we have pushed ourselves out of the driver's seat completely with body and food and relationship with body and food. Um, Everything in our culture now is like forcing us in the passenger side. We don't have the, you know, it's like um, there's one way and only one way to do this kind of thing. Um, And it's, it's just interesting if we could give ourselves the same grace and if we could, if we could embrace body and food, as much as we embrace the importance of each of us being individual in, um, you know, race, gender, body size, all of those things, it, it would, it would be amazing. Um, so I would love your thoughts on if you are seeing the same thing I'm seeing that it's like, we're almost, um, we're so opposite, um, in our culture with food and body compared to where we are with embracing diversity in any other way. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, as always, you hit the nail on the head. And I always love to tell the story about how, you know, we've got all these specialized sports products and this is what mm-hmm. this athlete does. And I was running, um, I can't remember if it was like hospital here or Kansas city marathon. And there was this gentleman in front of us and he had the running shorts that have like the mesh pocket and it was full of like Snickers minis. And I was like, um, I'm going to own it. I was being judgy. Like, Oh God, he's eating Snickers. Like, Oh my God. (laughs) And then finally like a couple miles later and I'm just like, um, Becca, you can't catch him. Oh my God. So maybe you should try Snickers, you know? (laughs) And it was just kind of that aha moment. Like Mm -hmm. who am I? It's working for him. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. We're just a exactly. society of extremes, right? I mean, we just, right. our black and white brain, we just can't see the gray very well. Um, and that's really so much of what we have to practice. So agree. And, you know, I think the um, the more rigid that list gives gets, um, it just, I mean, talk about shame Velcro. I mm-hmm. mean, it. 
rigidity judgment boom you know all together and and what what i what is i guess heartbreaking to me too is seeing that people aren't aware of what a prison they've gotten themselves mm, into mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and athletes included again for that you know for the latest greatest you know that you've got to you know you've got to manipulate your um beta alanine you've got to you know you've got to just my minutia micromanage everything and the body just um is so much bigger and better than that you know <laughs> um it's it's really um it's incredible what uh, um, I have so many analogies around the body it's just incredible how much the body gives to us and um takes what little or rigid things we give it and works to the best of its ability to manage but just over time you know it's going to take a toll because it it is a closed system something has to give up if something's getting something something else is giving something up Mm -hmm. um and if um and I think getting back to you know, that whole base of the, the intuitive place where just realizing that my body is not your body or your body or anyone's body and my body's life story in this very moment is very unique, too. And like it may know that like, OK, we're talking about um, viruses and colds, but even think of a cold, you know, your body knows it's getting a cold before we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so just being able to to be able to realize that this rigid um, way that I'm allowing my body to eat, if it's, you know, intermittent fasting and you're only allowing it to eat for four hours a day, that's not taken into account. What if you get, you know, that call in the morning that's stressful or, or what, you know, or um, what if you have an opportunity to, to go out with your friends and have this amazing brunch, but it's, that's before your window, you allow yourself to eat. What are we giving up for all of those things that to keep that rigidity there when our body actually is capable of managing the ups and downs for us? If it knows that, you know what, my immune system's starting to give me some signals here. So I'm going to, you know, um, bring to your attention that, you know, we need to eat here and we might need a little more here, Mm -hmm. you know, trusting our body to be able to communicate that to us. It's a skill. It's, it's not easy, but it's, it is so worth it. And it's, it's again, putting ourselves back in the driver's seat. Um, one of my favorite stories to tell about that is I went to see my grandmother, um, four times a year, my entire life. I never drove it. And she lived in tiniest town, Mississippi, that where you start turning and there are no road signs. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, you take a, you take a right by that oak tree and remember yep. you know, where, where Aunt Susie used to live. That's where you take a left. And well, I've done it. I can't a gazillion times. Well, in college, um, I have this boyfriend. I'm like, I'm going to take you to my grandmother's. I'm going to drive us there. So I proceed to drive. I'm 30 minutes away from my grandmother's house. I've been to four times my every year for 20 years. I'm lost. I have no idea where I am. She has not moved. I've never been in the driver's seat. And I literally got so lost. I've never been so embarrassed, so frustrated. And the reality of that, like, I never had to own it. 
Mm-hmm. I never had to make the decision and I never got lost again. I know where the crow flies. I know exactly, you know, what branch to turn left at now because you make you hit that roadblock, you know, you hit those bumps and you learn and and you release the shame from it and you move on and and you're actually pretty proud of yourself for it. So I feel like the process of intuitive eating and being in touch with mm-hmm. our body and being able to allow our bodies to, you know, to certainly there are patterns that we do to support, you know, our nutrition. Um, and I'm, I'm, I love, you know, knowing that our body works on a three, four hour cycle, trying to stay pretty cognizant of that. But, um, but giving your body the chance to talk back to you you really can learn to hear it and your body really can learn to trust you, but it's a mutual trust too. So it's not just you all of a sudden saying, Oh, okay, body, I'm going to trust you now. Your body's going, Oh yeah. Can I, yeah. Can I trust you? Yeah. you know, right. So we, we both have our responsibility there, but that driver's seat, I could never go back to a passenger seat mm-hmm. ever. Again, and, another metaphor. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, keep her going. She'll lose that yeah. more. <laughs> But I think you're right. It comes down to it as like really learning. And this is a skill, like you said, like trusting the body. And so many of our clients have been in positions where they've feeling that their body is not, that their body is the enemy um, and that to be scared of it. And so thank goodness there's people out there like like you helping with that. And Tammy, the I always, you know, listen to your webinars from the Alsana website. Mm-hmm. Those are still open to the public if they would like to listen to them as well, right? Yes, they are. If that is not, um, I have, a, that is the intent and they should be there. Um, I know the blogs are certainly there and I know that we are, we welcome anyone to listen to the webinars. Mm-hmm. If for any reason there's not a link, um, it's, it's just in the process of happening because they're, they're, they're doing a site where all the websites will be housed okay. and you can go and listen. Yeah. And um, I can certainly get a link to anything around that, but it's, they're definitely open. They, you know, for professionals, there's no longer any continuing education credit, but the but the webinars are certainly open. I am doing um, one on veganism and kind of mm-hmm. life in the trenches, what it's been really like to open our doors as a higher level of care for eating disorder treatment and welcoming clients who are following a vegan lifestyle mm-hmm. into that higher level of care. And it's been, we've learned a lot from our clients and hopefully they've learned from us, but it's definitely been, um, I'm going to, I'm going to be very authentic and vulnerable in sharing the things that we have not done well, the things our clients have taught us, the things that we are now doing really well because of that. And, um, I'm grateful, you know, for, um, for the opportunity to kind of get that webinar out there because it, it needs to be said it, um, it, I, I still see, um, confusion in our field, Mm -hmm, um, as eating disorder dietitians with hesitancy, Mm -hmm. um, of, you know, are, are, you know, are we, is it really, can you do it? Can you really recover? And reality, um, probably the majority of our clients will discover that it's overlapping and it may be rooted in the eating disorder, but the clients who discover that, no, it is not. It is side by side. This is an ethical value system I'm living by. I also have an eating disorder. They both need full support 
in how to recover in that. And that's what what we're trying to offer. And yeah. I think the the way that you are so good at that, because I, I highly encourage anybody, she's had one on intermittent fasting. Um, she's had mm. several on um, veganism, plant-based. Um, I, I could keep going and going, but mm-hmm. even though you're the shame Velcro, you never throw any shame. Mm. And that's why as a clinician, I always want to listen to you to think about how you approach that with such a gentle metaphor. So you open that discussion and don't immediately get that door slammed in your face. So um, I, I will be sure to put the the link so they can go and listen to those and be able to educate okay. them, themselves. So such a helpful um, resource. Oh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Tammy, when you're not trapped at home, because usually you're a very yeah. busy lady. How do you how do you balance out the fit philosophy performance, your health, your intellect and taking time for self, even though we were going to try to have a big tailgate? Hopefully we still do. Um, yeah, she was going to come in for a Royals game. Oh, oh. well, that and, still uh, beers and brats. We could still. Do yes. That. Yes. I can't. I'm I'm missing my baseball. I tell you, I'm missing my baseball. Um Thank well, goodness baseball's could... a long season, though. Yes, <laughs> long. very long. So I'm, I'm hopeful for sure. And um, Becca, I'm all over it. I'll be there in a heartbeat. So, mm-hmm. um, I have to continue on the the vulnerable authenticity of this conversation. I will tell you that I have had. I've, I'm coming out of a bit of a mourning period of the loss of physical things that I, my body will not do anymore. And I know it is, um, knees and, um, and it's from my abuse, my years of abuse and it, I know what it is. And the orthopedic also has, you know, confirmed that and, but, or not that, but at the same time, I think that's very real for any of us who are, you know, weekend warriors, recreational athletes, pro athletes, there's a time when you have to shift what um, was so easy for you before. And I am in that shift now. And I think it's important to realize, um, giving myself some grace that, you know, there's been sadness around it, because I do miss the running, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, it is gone, you know, I'm bone on bone and one knee, sur- two mm-hmm. knee surgeries in and it's mm-hmm. gone. And at the same time, this morning, I went walking with my husband and we saw two mallards flying oh. and we, we often see deer. We live in North Alabama and, you know, we're listening to podcasts. We'll stop sometimes chat. If you are listening to the same podcast, we'll, you know, we'll do hand motions around what we're just hearing. Mm-hmm. And, and I started thinking that, you know, he, he's a farm boy. He, I loved the social of, of a gym. I taught spinning for eight years. I loved it. Um, I loved that, but I chose to give up gym of any sort, fitness center of any sort, um, because it, it was not, um, feeding my soul, if that makes sense. Even if it was a place that wasn't the judgmental kind of body oriented place, even if it was a safe space. Um, And the beauty of that is that my husband never, you know, he was on a farm. He's like, why would you go to four walls to do anything? You know, you go to a farm, you know, you know, you build a fence, you don't. (laughs) And so, so I have rediscovered, we've rediscovered each other Mm -hmm. and being able to, um, 
you know, like my um, intensity level is lower now. Mm -hmm. Um, His is more consistent now. And there, you know, movement is relationship. And so that's where I'm in. That's where I'm at right now. And, and it's a good place. And it, I think I would be not being true if I didn't say it wasn't sad to, to not be able to do what brought great joy. And life is going to bring that to all of us outside of even the movement arena in so many ways. And we just, it's, you know, I think it's important. We realize that we're always growing as a person, Mm -hmm. you know, as our own, um, uh, appreciation of what our body does for us. And, um, I'm in a new space with that and it's, it's a daily, it's, you know, it's a daily, um, decision to go, this is good, you know, and what am I seeing? And if I open my eyes, I see that it's bringing me things that what I did in the past didn't bring me. So it's different and good doesn't mean it's bad if it's yeah. different it's just different yeah yeah another transition oh, well mm-hmm. tammy i just adore yeah. you and i will i will keep the the beer and the brats in the fridge <laughs> thank you <laughs> I'm, I'm coming i'm coming y'all are we had oh my goodness yes we um kansas it's just one of my favorite places so i'm there <laughs> we'll go well we hope you have a great rest of your week and thanks for coming on Thank you very much, guys. You too. You bet. Talk to you later. Bye, Bye. Queens. Bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, Queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.